0: Welcome to The Greatest Day Podcast. My name is Craig Smith, your host and the creator of The Greatest Day Mindset. This podcast is all about helping you gain the tools and insight needed to shift your focus in life and begin living each day to the fullest. The Greatest Day Mindset is a lifestyle. It's a way of living each day with a positive attitude. It is choosing to be happy and live life with energy no matter your current circumstances. Today truly is the only day you have to live, shape, and create who it is you want to become. So choose to make today the greatest day of your life. Welcome back to another episode of the Greatest Day Podcast. There's an echo and it's already annoying me, but that's because I'm in a conference room. To, uh, to talk with my wonderful friend, Michelle. Hello. Um, whatever episode this is, I hope you guys enjoy it because um, Michelle's been on here before. She's amazing and I love her. And that's the sound of my peanut butter m ms that she brought and my monster drink that I'm going to have now. Yes. And um, we're going to talk all about hope, mm-hmm. um, this program you're building, this movement you're creating, but more than anything, it's, it's what
1: this is a group program that came literally from my heart and from my personal experience with addiction. So having an addicted loved one is, it can feel like a very, very lonely, shameful place. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, last year in 2021, when I got breath work certified, right. So I went through a Certification program to come out on the other side a trauma informed breathwork facilitator. Well, what is that, right? What? It's funny because people say, "Well, what are you going to do with it?" Well, I'm not sure. So, a lot of people that were going through the certification with me already had either mm-hmm. they were, you know, in the social work <clears throat> space, the massage place, the people at this. That went through the certification with me. Yeah. There was uh, like 130 of us that went through it together at one time. Like they had a... They like, had a business. Like already. as a therapist. Totally. Like, a lot more therapists. Now
0: I can use breath work with my clients. With my
1: clients. Uh, so I'm going into it as this is my sole thing. Right? Right. And I love talking about this because when we talked last time, it was March of 2021, and I had not gone into the certification yet. And I was just kind of like, you know what? I just oh, want to yeah. find this happy place in life. And I'm not sure what it is. And I'm not sure what the vehicle is. Well, I found the vehicle. It's breathwork. Breathwork has substantially changed my life. And what I mean by that is when I found it, when I started to actually implement it into my life, I started to realize this peace and calm that I had been craving that I did not think was accessible to me because I was someone who was quote unquote anxious. Mm. Right? If people, Yeah. So if, and I've done,
0: I've breathed. Is that what we're, Is that how we call it? Yeah, uh-huh. I have breathed. You. I have breathed with you. Uh uh-huh. um, A couple times, right? I need to do more. We should do that.
1: I'm totally a fan of that.
0: Um, I love it. Like I, if people who are listening. Um, have not done it. They need to do it, and we'll do all the little links, and you do a free yeah every community month. every month mm-hmm. on Sundays, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: always when I'm in church. So it's, I
1: know, I know, and um, I'll give you a hard time every time. I know. I'll just skip church one time and do it. I'll pro- <laughs> it's probably more healing for me
0: anyway. It would be actually. <laughs> um, and my son Conrad would love that oh, if yeah. we skip church. He yeah, hates he it. he <laughs> soccer in church. Yeah, okay, he loves soccer. Okay, okay, you know why. This is really cool. So this is going to be a podcast inside of a podcast. He loves soccer now because he scored a goal.
1: And then he scored another goal.
0: And then the next week he scored three goals. So he caught on to this belief about him as a soccer player. He's on fire. He's so feisty, so energized. So once he finally discovered I can do this thing. Yes. Now he's so Now he's on fire about it. Yeah. Yeah. So... You will finally do something in life when one, you can see somebody else do it and then you can find the belief in them and borrow it, or you do it for yourself and then you can then take action on that. Yeah. So let's go. Let's we're going to be all over that. the place today, but go back. March, you were in my office. We did this again, we did this podcast. So then what happened with you? How did you become the Conrad soccer player?
1: Right. Because I started to realize there was something to this breath work. Every time I did it, I felt something different. It was never the same experience. Sometimes there was times, and and I mind you, this whole time that I say I'm doing breath work, I would find every free thing to go do. Right. So my, eventually my mentor, Samantha Skelly, who is worth following, um, she would do free things. She would do free lives. She would do free master classes. Let me tell you who signed up first on all of them. Me. Every single one, right? I was going to do it for free. I was going to do it for free. And finally, um, March, I'm in your office. April opens up a new enrollment for this Breathwork Facilitator Training Program. Mm -hmm. And it was in... Everything's relative, right? But to me and my family, it was a large sum of money to invest in. A large sum of money. And you did it? And I... um, of course, I did the three-day free challenge leading up to yeah. open enrollment. I've done like twenty three day free things, by the way. Oh, it's, about, it's like, <laughs> right? You, yeah. Yeah, free. Okay, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. I'm like, oh, I'll get the week trial. Oh, I'll get the... Yeah. yeah. And, and I tell my husband, I know on the third day there's going to be a pitch into this course, Always. but it's expensive, and I will say no. Mm-hmm. I did not say no. I said yes. I said, ooh, I want a I discovery call. So anyways, I land myself in this course. And I just knew that I wanted to deliver breath to people in the way that I had had it given to me because I literally found my life. I literally found my passion and what I truly found was my heart. And I know that sounds weird, but I really was someone who I didn't feel my emotions very easily Mm -hmm. until the point of breath, until being able to actually feel like I could use not use them, express them in a very safe manner. And that was with the power of my breath. Mm -hmm. So the first time I ever was guided in breath, I realized that I do have a beating heart and it has warm blood flowing through it and it actually works. And it actually feels a lot of love when I allow for it to. And what I also realized is sometimes when you breathe, you can unlock some serious emotions that you've suppressed for a really long time. And what I started to notice as I was using my breath was I would have these traumatic, almost PTSD things that I would work through that had to do with a decade of drug use from my younger brother, Brad. Mm-hmm. So he, I started to realize he is now nine and a half years clean and sober. Why is that stuff coming up now? Mm-hmm. Isn't it under the rug? Isn't it in the past? Isn't it let's just move on and forget about it? No, it doesn't work that way.
0: I wonder how many people think their healing date starts when the sobriety date starts.
1: Oh, for I've sure. I've never thought of that
0: before. Yeah. But even as you said, that, point. Like, why am I having all this? It's because our healing is not the same as somebody else's. No. Like our journeys are not the same at all.
1: No, no. So I would have these sessions where I would be guided um, by somebody and coming out of the breast session and they would say, do you want to share? And I would share. And I'd say, I don't know why this is coming up now. He's X amount of time sober, right? Mm-hmm. Eight years, nine years, whatever it was. Sober. And I'm having these feelings of absolute like anger come up or complete sorrow and sadness. And what happens is when we're going through a traumatic event that we deem traumatic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a response to something that doesn't feel safe to us. We don't have the capacity to deal with it on an emotional level. So we suppress because yeah. we're in fight or flight. So I'll tell you what, for 10 to 12 years while he was in it, you know, his addiction, I was in fight or flight. It's the only two speeds I knew. Yeah. So and you're just,
0: you're, if we conceptualize it, you're taking in the events, the emotions, and you're putting them somewhere inside this vessel called your body. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting
1: stored away. Yeah. Yeah. 10 years of that. 10 years of it. So you, you you really like start to think of it if you're a visual person i like give them like colors and shapes yeah. and they get lodged and people talk about when we suppress we're not expressing mm-hmm. right so they're the opposite of each other so you're just starting to suppress things well emotions will get lodged in your body Disease in the body is going to cause disease eventually it will right like and so I started to realize that like I was starting to have these emotions come out. And when I would like free them from my body, when I would release them with the power of my own breath mm-hmm. in the presence of an empathetic witness, being a guide was a huge thing. Having someone witness me and see me in their full presence with me as I experienced these things, a, I felt safe. I felt supported and I felt totally seen. And there's something to that think about why do we care if someone like sees our side of the story, sees our point of view. We want to feel seen. Yeah. Well,
0: okay, so can I, let me share when I breathed. That's so weird. Okay. When you guided me. say When, when you guided me, when you guided me, I, there was something about, I can't just escape right now no somebody's, right somebody's yes there you me. go someone's with me right now like mm-hmm. i'm gonna stick in this it's very uncomfortable like mm-hmm. physically felt
1: uncomfortable
0: uh-huh. um my body felt weird my i was having these little ticks happen and i was twitching this uh-huh. and that this is the releasing part this is the cool part that your body will start to when you let that guard down enough through the breath right mm-hmm. um it'll start to Release these things, but the whole point being, because I knew you were there and I, you had this presence with me, I was not about to escape even if I wanted to, because mm-hmm. I felt like okay, I have, a, I have someone with me, I have my guide with me, like she's here, she's like if it gets to a place and I can and I and I need to escape, I will, I can, I can, uh huh. But knowing that you were there it was like this accountability partner and person with me. That was my experience. and It was really cool.
1: Totally, and I love that you say that because think about if you go to a personal trainer. Same thing, right? You're going to just kick butt through the workout, even if it's a grueling workout. If you're there alone, you're going to bow out a lot sooner. So I think that is why having an empathetic witness, a guide is super important when it comes to breath. And I started to realize that I just had a lot that I still needed to work through from his years and years of addiction, right? And I started to really recognize that there's these... There's these components that go into, when you have an addicted loved one, there's so many things, behaviors that people start to take on because they're in survival mode, because you're literally in fight or flight. And so things like codependency show up. I mean, that's not news to anybody. If codependency happens all the time with an addicted loved one, um, you also have this complete lack of being able to set boundaries. Like, complete lack. Um, you don't know how to, like, detach yourself from them, right? It's like detaching from this person feels so, like, not loving. But you can detach with love. And it's all these things that I started to think about that I was struggling with. Or I shouldn't say struggling with, but that I, the emotions that I was holding on to. Yeah. Because I didn't know how to do any different than what I did while Brad was in his active using days. And I will tell you what, myself, my mom, and my dad, we were the poster children for everything to do wrong Mm -hmm. with an addicted loved one. We did it. Every single thing, because we had no clue what what we were doing, but no clue. Yeah, you hadn't been through it before. Never, never. And so we were literally just in this space of, the three of us were just chaotically codependent, me, my mom, and dad. We had no boundaries. And I think, and Brad agrees with this, he would have hit his rock bottom sooner had my mom, my dad, and myself been through a program like the one I designed. And he, I don't think he's saying that because he, trust me, does not give me kudos like that unless he really feels like <laughs> I deserve them. Come on, Brad. And he sees the need for it, right? And, and here's the thing is I, I designed this program. I created it. I birthed it from my heart. And I took it to my father because my father's very, he's very logical. So I wanted to take it to a logically driven person to see how this would settle. And my dad is huge in Al-Anon, which is a, it's a community for the family and loved ones of the addict. Mm -hmm. And he's very, he's on the chair, he's on the board, he's very involved in it. It is truly what, how my dad found his peace and calm was through Mm Al-Anon. So I took it to my dad, and he said, "You know what? This is such a beautiful program because Al-Anon is not for everyone." And I love that because my dad—he's very awesome. logical. Yeah. And and people who are usually in those systems or those one way or families, no ways,
0: it is mm-hmm. right. They're very rigid. This is the way. Yeah. AA is the, the way, way for your healing. Sobriety Al-Anon is uh-huh. your way through. Yeah, for your sobriety. I say healing, but
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah.
0: So for him to say that, that how did that feel?
1: It felt so good because I was like, Dad, you see this. You see the need for. Because he lived, he was with you. He lived this. He lived the, yes. I mean, literally, me, my mom, and dad, my three older brothers did not feel, see, or perceive Brad's addiction the way we did. We all lived together. It was, we were very close quarters with the addiction. So to hear him say, Eleanor's not for everyone. This is what some people need, right? Mm-hmm. Is a more tactical, heartfelt approach to how. To love an addict. And I started to realize that through the pandemic, um, addiction is only getting worse. It's just not going anywhere. No. Like it's not. And, and I hate to say that and I hate to see it. And I wish it were different. Um, but people are overdosing every single day, right? People are out using drugs every single day. People are choosing recovery every single day too. And the recovery process can be very grueling as someone watching the person going through it, so yeah. Can I pause you? Yes. Okay, because
0: <clears throat> you said that earlier, and I was thinking again, like being the visual person I am, like this makes so much sense. Where Brad or whoever's listening, their addict goes through their using years. Mm-hmm. They're not feeling the same type of pain or emotion or. Mm -mm. it's not the same experience because you're actually sober. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. You're you're actually feeling all the feelings. The person using may go in and out of feeling the stuff, but then they just use to get rid of feelings. But nope, you're there. Every phone call from the jail, every potential midnight call of, yep, today's the day they died. Yep. Every, all of it, you're living all of it. So it's such a different experience than the person who's actually using. And you were that person. And so now it's like, Hey, I, I can serve. In a way, for people who have lived what I've lived.
1: I love that you put it that way because I hadn't even thought of it that way. Because, yes, I felt everything in those 10 years. Everything. There was a I turn-off mean, valve. There's even times he doesn't remember in an in instance that happened. Yeah. And I remember it so viscerally in my body. Yeah. You know, picking him up one time on the side of the street, taking him to my apartment so he could shower. Because I don't know when the last time he had a shower was. He doesn't remember some, you know, because he was under the influence. Yeah. And I'm absorbing all of that trauma, the PTSD, the the, the emotion. And... No escape for you. No. Except...
0: And here's where the enabler kicks in. And you can talk about these terms that you came up with for your program. <clears throat> but this is where the enabler comes in. Correct me if I'm wrong because this is, this is your world. Um, that is our escape from our discomfort.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: A hundred percent. We enable, we give, or we lack the boundaries to as a self-service. Yes. I don't want to feel this anymore. Here's your 20 bucks. I don't want to feel this anymore. Yes. Yes, I'll bail you out. Last time though, I swear, I don't want to keep feeling the discomfort of me and I can't sleep. And so I, fine, you can sleep here. Yes. But this is it. This is the only time I'm doing this.
1: That is exactly because even if it would give me like an hour of him not... At least you know he's not
0: out using it. Yes.
1: You know, and and it's so often I, I think back to in those years... Any family trip, anything we had like that planned, it was always contingent upon what Brad was doing at that time. So we would always be like, well, hopefully he will be in jail because then we know he's safe and we can take off and go out of town, right? So I just started to realize this behavior that really I'm just going to focus on myself, like that I had during his drug addiction. Had I had access to this program that I birthed from my heart, I would have eaten it up because it was everything that I needed Mm -hmm. and everything that could have saved me so much, like for lack of a better word, like emotional baggage that I just kept stuffing then to have to, you know, deal with it all at once. I guess it, it really, and you know this because we're close enough to know that I went through a really, really dark period last year, like from like August into the beginning of this year and I really think what was happening is I was releasing so much that was stored and it was all kind of flooding me that it was, I don't want to say too much, but like almost too much for my body to handle because I was so enthralled with breath that I maybe went a little bit too deep. Like there is maybe some titration that needs to happen. You can go a little slower, you know, yeah. I don't think you'd suggest <clears throat> to anyone come to therapy every I mean, day. Right. Let's give ourselves some rest. Right. Right. So when I started to build this course, well, when I even started to have the idea, self-doubt kicked in. I'm like, I'm not a, who am I? I'm not a teacher. Yeah. I'm not a coach. Yeah. Like I'm a breathwork guide. Stay in your lane, girlfriend. But I started to realize I've got to get the power of breath in out to people by experiences that I've had. Because experiences that we've had, and maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree, I think they come with the best, best teachings. Not from like a textbook that you've learned from. Right. I'm totally with that. I think that going through having an addicted loved one, unless you've been through it, people will look at you and just kind of not understand unless they're like you and very educated and open to learn. However, so I'll add that though, because sure,
0: as the addict, come to me as the trained clinician and therapist and... I've got the neurobiology understanding. I've got, yes, I can walk you through the process of you, but as, but as someone walking the, the loved ones of an addict, Mm -hmm. I would send someone to you way before me. True. Okay. I mean, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. What, what did I learn in my two years of my master's degree that's going to, that you learned in 10 years Mm -hmm. of hurting, healing, hurting more. Not healing like, you know what I mean? Yes, so no. The wisdom is way deeper than education.
1: yeah, yeah, I, I I feel that, and I feel like sometimes there's a passion too behind that wisdom, because you just you being me, have lived it, like yeah, I, i've I've lived it. so now here's the key though.
0: you have to, and this is what I love and and why I even wanted you to come on and talk about this is it's not just about the experience that you've had, because so what? but now you've actually done the work mm-hmm. you've moved. You have done the work. So now you can help others do the work. Yes. Yes. Let me ask you this. Cause I think people listening might get this too, but this is just real. Like I'm just, I'm just asking you anyway, did you look at Brad or even mom and dad? Like did you three look to Brad to be the one to heal the stuff inside of you?
1: Oh yes. 100%. So if he would stop using drugs. That's what would heal He'd us. Be okay. We would be fine. So, Brad in the 10-12 years of his active use, he would have 30 and 60 day time frames of no use, right? Yeah. And we would literally feel like, "Oh, we're be- okay, we can start to f- plan family trips <laughs> yeah. and we can start to do fun things and then Leave he our would use out." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My mom would sleep with it under her bed under yeah, her I, pillow. Yeah. For um real. and Yeah, we would start to feel like our lives were being given back because he was choosing sobriety. Right. And it was like such a circus of insanity.
0: Yeah, because here's the thing, and this is like one of my favorite thoughts or quotes or I don't even know, one-liners. But the person who caused the hurt cannot be the person who does the healing. Oh my gosh, that's the
1: truth.
0: You can't
1: do that. You cannot look to the source of your hurt to be your source of healing. And all too often we... We do exactly that. And I feel like that is a huge codependency thing yes. that we do, right? We're looking for you for my happiness. Y- you cannot do that. I, right. I constantly was seeking, especially in that decade, externally things to make me happy because I was just like, I cannot find my happiness inside. And I kept thinking it's not even worth trying because he's out using drugs. He'll just take it from me. He again. will just, yeah, it'll just. So who is
0: the source of healing then? We are. And we what are. is the prime source of healing? Breath. Breath. I <laughs> so mean, true. Tr-
1: uh, because I feel like I say that because, of course, that's what I'm going to say. But the breath... No, but I believe You are it. moving and shifting you energy. Are. You are unearthing things that are so stinking stuck in you. Yeah.
0: Um, but it's everywhere. It's not even just like, oh, this
1: this all like matches
0: up very nicely for this um, program you're releasing. And we'll say all the right words. Look the test of time like what okay we got to calm down what do we need to do everybody
1: breathe eastern eastern culture caught on long ago with tai chi yoga buddhism yep breath is part secondary to them stillness
0: breath it's free you can use it anywhere you go even me as a clinician and anybody else listening who has any therapeutic training or it's Hey, we got to slow down because what are we doing? We're opening the valves of our heart. Our blood is able to go through the body. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a panicked attack or an anxiety attack, anybody listening, you, the longer it goes on, you'll start to feel your, your tingles, tingles in mm-hmm. your fingers, clothes your the numbness. That's because blood is not getting to your body. Your body's not being oxygenated. Right. So what do you do to do that? You got to take a breath.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: got to you got to really just focus on breathing because then it opens the valve of your heart. Mm -hmm. And then it can rush. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can feel that relief. Okay. Yeah. That was your breath. Yeah. That was your breath. So this is really cool.
1: Side note of like Western culture just doesn't catch on that. Like we cannot live in stress every single day. Like you have to tap into your parasympathetic and breath is the quickest way to move you over to working from your parasympathetic versus your sympathetic nervous system. And so there's totally something, you know, to it. And, you know, back to this program I created is just, it's all the things Dependency, setting boundaries. Learning this. Okay, so it's funny to me because I, I started to think of like, where was I in this 10 years where if someone would have said, do you do this? I would have said 100%. Yes, all the time. And one of them was blaming, complaining, and over-explaining. Oh, yeah. So I got in this cycle, though, almost this cyclical pattern habit of doing it to where I would find it even bleeding outside of I was always over-explaining for Brad. For Brad, two people, right? If there was an ambulance at my parents' house, because I lived there, so did he, off and on, there was cop cars. We'd have to over-explain to the neighbors. Like, oh, it was a misunderstanding. And then we'd have right. to make up this excuse as to why the cops are there again. <clears throat> right. And then blaming just was constant, right? Like, I can't lose weight. I'm unhappy. I um, am very um, triggered. Like, I was su- I was just like a, a loose cannon constantly blaming because my brother uses drugs because my brother is constantly high. Everything was blamed on him. I was a bundle of complaining. Like I didn't know any, I didn't know that you could actually converse with people without just complaining. I did. I seriously didn't. (laughs) Like I thought you were supposed to get together, gossip, talk crap and complain. Yeah. I thought that's what you did. Like I didn't realize that connection can be like before we hit record today, that's connection. Yeah. You know? So I started to realize blaming, complaining, and over-explaining is in so many people, not just someone dealing with an addicted loved one, but it can become a very, very habitual thing that people do and they don't realize it. How tolerant are you of that now? I, I don't. I, I like almost... Okay, I don't feel bad. I always say that too. I just... I don't tolerate it. It's its painful to sit in the middle of
0: it. It right? is. You're at the store. You're hearing it. You're like, this is not helping you. No. Because blaming, complaining, over-explaining it's still putting the source of happiness on a different person totally on a different 100%. source that is ours it's our responsibility yes. and it's our power
1: and how often too the over explaining like i'm trying to teach my 16 and my 10 year old this now yeah when you don't want to go play with a friend no done brad asked me to watch his dog this weekend guess what i said <laughs> no
0: yeah
1: it's it truly is. I know it's a full sentence is getting like a cliche statement. We don't have to over explain why we can't go to lunch with somebody. We don't need to over explain why we signed up to go donate blood and we couldn't make it. That happened to me on Wednesday. Like I just couldn't make my spot to go donate blood. Right. I feel like a complete jackwagon that I couldn't, but literally I couldn't. And I told my girlfriend, I love to be impeccable with my word today. I can't. That was it. Like, which is being impeccable and guess what with she, your un- she understood
0: that's being impeccable with your word though
1: yes yeah. like so just really starting to get under- understand that and I just find in the addiction world so often we are over explaining for our addict yeah. and that can just cause a lot of resentment later a lot
0: right because I gave this up and I lied
1: that I lied for I you came... I covered for you I did this for you I the number of times mm-hmm. that the cops would show up they'd want to take Brad. No, 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 okay, let's just, like, this was, we overreacted, let me explain, yeah. like. I heard, a, I heard a podcast
0: with um, somebody who did, like, 25 years in jail and in prison and jail. 25 years, like, 23 out of 25 years incarcerated. And they said the moment I changed and got on the trajectory of sobriety and really changing my life was when my parents stopped answering my calls home. Oh. Yes. That was the moment. Yes. Once, once I knew I no longer could turn to them as a source of like support or, or placating or any of those other things, I knew, oh, this is a me thing. I gotta, I have to, I have to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else is showing up for me anymore. No more couches, no more pickups, no more mm-hmm. nothing. Oh, this has to be me. And that, that was a pretty powerful moment to hear that, but it's good.
1: So did you guys get to that point? Finally, I... I don't want to speak for my parents and what they perceive their behavior as, but my parents started to actually behave differently towards Brad, but differently from each other, if that makes sense. So I still had one of the, one of my parents was still a little more enabling and one was always, yeah, a little more always. yeah. Found al on, decided this is the way, you know, they were gonna do it. And so that, their healing is at a different pace too. It is. Yes. And and they're loving this child, the exact right? You love I feel like terrible. you love your child. The only other person that loves your child is is the, the father or the mother, right? As much as you do. Yeah. And so I just would start to see my parents start to their healing was on a different trajectory. Mm-hmm. The way that they were dealing with him was, you know, different. And so it just It was so chaotic. So I finally got, and it was only the last like year, maybe 18 months where I finally got to a point where I did quit. People kept saying, Michelle, you keep putting a soft pillow under his head. And I'm like, cause I drove him to the hotel. No, it's not. I just didn't see it. Right. And they, they they're just like, you have to say no. Like you have to just say no. And you can't show up at my doorstep because you need a shower. You know, it's just our ride. That, exactly. Or it's just a shower. I just let him come in to take a shower. But then guess what? He found his way to my purse and found his way into my prescription meds. Yeah. Right? It's just... It, and if and,
0: nothing else, he found a way to soften the boundary. And so what's the next thing? Yes. So that, that
1: boundary, are, man. pretty brilliant people. That boundary, he realized, oh, that sucker's pliable. Yes. I can move it. Yes. And he did. So it was only about the last like year, 18 months, where I really started to really... Be a little more solid, but let me tell you where that came from that came from complete fear that he was not going to make it, so I wanted to distance myself detach wow. not out of a place of love but um, out of a place of fear a new self preservation exactly because he was uh, in my head he was not going to make it right. he was that far gone I can't be too emotionally connected anymore because he will die and I so when I get it. the call I don't want to be sad yes yeah. that's not that's not how it works so let's pause
0: for a second <clears throat> And take a breath because we're we both are rapid speakers and we're, we are yes we're like really excited i can <laughs> yes. feel it like my heart's going <laughs> that might be the monster you gave me but i mean just to just to soak in all of this like i don't know we've been here for an hour already i don't know how long it's been i'm just kidding but just to think about all this stuff and pause for a minute and be, and, and think this is this is such a painful and hurtful thing that people live with mm-hmm. on both sides like the addict as well it's like and I worked with addicts for a long time I, I loved it that was some of the, my favorite work to do and I don't know many very few maybe a couple that ever came into my office and said I really love this lifestyle no. I love this Right. I love not being trusted I love not even trusting myself <laughs> I love not knowing where I'm going to sleep tonight and that I know I have to get creative to get my fix tomorrow. Nobody, like, maybe one was like, I'm just fine. And that's, they were just in that denial stage of, they weren't even pre-contemplation of change. But, um, so they're not happy either. They're not enjoying this either. But then there's, like, you and your parents and and for people listening that are living this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: your, your step now taking your passion And you found a purpose Mm -hmm. and you're marrying this whole thing together to be like, I can be a source for people what I know I needed. Yes. And so we need to connect them to all
1: that. Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: So if it was like a, I don't know how detailed you want to get on a description of what hope is all about. I think we started right at that (laughs) when we pushed record, like we Mm -hmm. dove right into it, but, Mm -hmm. um, Like, what would they experience inside of that program? And then, yeah, I mean, just talk about that for a second.
1: Absolutely. So I have a lot of questions from people who are interested in the program saying, I just am worried because my father, my mother, my spouse doesn't recognize they have a drinking problem or they don't recognize they have a problem. And I tell them right off the get, this is not about them. This is not a program that is to change them or fix them. Right. We, we cannot cure it. We cannot control it. And we didn't cause it. And so this is not to fix them. This is a program to go inside us and to find. What were all those C's? You cannot, you didn't cause it. You can't change it and you can't control it. Oh, that's so yeah. good. Yeah. So when I was told that so in good. the beginning of Brad's disease, it was, it was a little bit freeing.
0: Yeah. Like that's so yeah. good.
1: Yeah. yeah. Because people don't know that.
0: Yeah. I'm in the business of writing permission slips. I don't know why. Like, I'm getting emotional even hearing I that. I love that. Yeah. It's like, huge. Like, I'm, I'm in the business of writing permission slips to people. Like, you don't have to. This isn't yours. Yeah. You don't have to own this anymore. No. I know that's more difficult than going, oh, I don't? Oh, thank you. I guess I'll release that. Mm-hmm. But you can actually walk them through
1: how to do it. With, how to do that. How to do within it within themselves. Yes. I don't need anybody yes. else. I
0: need me and my breath and Michelle.
1: Yes. And that is what I want people to find is I want them to find this peace within themselves again. And especially dealing with an addicted loved one, it can feel like complete chaos. It can feel like insanity. And like I mentioned at the beginning, so lonely. There's so much shame associated with it. Mm. You know, and there's so much worry. So much worry. Every single person that I've talked to that is interested in this program, the worry that they go to bed with at night, you know. Do
0: and you know, do, you know,
1: do you guys know what that does to your body? It's and your not a mind? good frequency to be in. Your mental, like not just your mental
0: wellness, like your mental health, but your physical state.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's so many people out there, you know, saying my physical body won't respond the way I want it to. I'm like, do you know the cortisol? that's Rolling through your body twenty four seven, trapped.
0: Yeah, I know. For me, I can say it out loud right now. And when I breathed with you, when you guided me, <laughs> when you guided me, I felt, I felt it. It's in my upper right back. Mm-hmm. That's where I hold mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the lower right leg, my foot, See, my calf. Wild
1: you could identify I where can it was. Feel it. I can mm-hmm. feel it.
0: So when I was breathing, I was like. Oh, like, my foot would start to hurt. My And there's some really cool stuff. I don't, do you know who Dr. Uh, Berceli is? No. Maybe I need to. This is really cool stuff. This is really cool okay. stuff. He does... I think he's the creator. I'm Like, ten people listen to this podcast. I don't care if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> Seven of them are
1: pending. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, he... Trauma release exercises, T-R-E.
1: Oh, yes. Have you seen this stuff? No, but I need to because that's
0: incredible. Okay, so he he came up. I think he was observing like polar bears. And he's like, why are they seizing? Why are they yeah. shaking? Why are they doing all this weird stuff? I wish we had a camera because you guys could see what I'm doing. <laughs> but he's like, "Why?" Are, okay, so we're studying why they're doing this. And what are they doing? It was their survival technique. They were – it was – Releasing, So the body will start doing that. Have you seen that with people that you yes. guide? Yes. Things will start to twitch and uh-huh. move and this. And all of a sudden a hand shoots yep. up or a hip starts to – their legs start to pump. Yep. Okay. So he discovered this. I really – I'm so regretting it now. He came to Arizona State when I was – graduating in my master's program and he did a short course and uh-huh. he certified a whole bunch of people oh, i was like i'm not doing that extra stuff oh, i wish would i would have done so it. cool yeah so they do these little warm-up exercises to fatigue your body uh-huh. and then you get into these positions that it fatig- that it can't hold anymore and then your body starts to release trapped oh, trauma see? yes but yes. you're doing the same thing with breath and that's also proven to be very effective so anyway I could feel it when you were guiding me. I could feel it in those places. I could feel it in my back. Yeah. I don't even know why I started talking about this. Do you know? Why, why did I get on this branch?
1: No, yeah, I can't remember.
0: I don't either. But we trap oh, what you're living with when you keep all this
1: emotion. Oh in, yes. The worry. The cortisol. The Roll it, yes.
0: Thank you, ADHD meds, for uh it out, back to these things. But when you when you keep this for so long, it's really it's true, the body does keep the score. Um, it holds this stuff. It holds it in. That's why we can't keep living in that state Mm -mm. and breath is a great way to do it. And this program is going to be a great way to even get awareness to it.
1: Yes. So awareness is the first key, right? To know that we have any sort of problem to change. And so throughout this group program, it's just, here's the thing is what I've noticed too with breath breath is there is healing in community. There's healing in groups. Right, Mm -hmm. there's a lot that can be said for when you're breathing with other people, and that's even over Zoom. It's crazy how energy works. Um, just the healing that can take place. And I just truly believe, and I want others to feel this place of healing of the fact that they can take back their inner peace, even if their mom, their dad, their brother, their uncle, whoever it is, is in active addiction um, that they can take back their peace and they can set these boundaries Mm -hmm. and, and the chances of their addicted loved one finding recovery quicker is pretty high. If you start to put these things into play, you know, it, one of the weeks I am talking about empowering versus enabling. And it's a huge thing because we need to learn how to empower people. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. even when it's an addicted loved one learning, telling them, you know, like, I am not going to do this for you. I know you can figure this out. You're very resourceful. Trust me. Alcoholics, drug addicts. I don't, you know, I don't know the world of like porn addicts and gaming and stuff. That is an addiction that I am absolutely inviting into this course too. Um, but I know with um, substance abuse, Brad was very resourceful. So I'm like, you can get resourceful as to somewhere to sleep tonight. I know you can. So starting to like give them. You have this power, like you do, right? If you just keep enabling them, they'll never get better, right? They don't have a reason to. Yeah. They don't, they don't have a reason. So.
0: But doing that in a way that doesn't put the responsibility on you either. Right. So if I don't set the boundary, I'm now – so I have to be responsible for them getting so- sober? No. No, no that's, not, Absolutely that's not, not what you're saying. But you can play a very key part in – maybe being an influence in their recovery, mm-hmm. but more importantly in your, like you focus on yours, people tend to begin to follow at some point. Ho- yes. Hopefully.
1: That's exactly what I said actually yesterday to a person I was on the phone with that we hope that happens, right? We hope, and I'm not saying I have this all down pat now, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm never going to tell somebody how to cut their addict out of their life to do this. To, that's not my place. What my place is, is to focus back on self yeah. And to come back and realize that we do, we are the only person that can control what's going on inside us. We are the only person that can fix us. Thank God for people like you, for therapists, because I think there's so many out there that need that, that need that, you know. But nobody is coming to fix you at the end of the day, except for yourself. And so being able to take this passion, and this vehicle of breath, and put it into this course, I just think is really going to deliver exactly what, Someone who's going through it, someone who's even been through it and still realizes they have some healing to do. Yeah. Another one is like yours took eight years to start to un- to even un- unlock start some stuff. to surface that I was realizing. Oh, I've still got stuff. Well, I'm glad
0: you have made it, and it's all over.
1: Oh my gosh, tot- my healing's done. I've arrived. <laughs> Isn't that what happens? You yeah, arrive at yeah, forty. You arrive. Yeah, it's, it's over. Exactly. It is not. So whoever's listening can't keep up with our humor. Yeah. It's it not. Is, it's no, it never is. It's it ongoing. never is
0: anniversaries will keep happening yes sirens will keep, keep going off uh-huh. and you're like oh is that the day you might see your attic or for you specifically brad like you've been in a funk for a little while oh shoot yep that, it that's exactly it
1: so that's what i find happens or he'll go through a big life event and he's very open about this like a divorce yeah. and i will worry sick is this going to be when he uses drugs or drinks to Numb, yeah, what's going on, and he's almost 10 years, so yes, and it happens. It, it relapse is a part of some people's journey, right? Yeah, that yeah. It, it just simply is. That's the yeah. you know, and I do find too that there's people reaching out who have they have lost their loved one to addiction, so their their addict is you know gaining their angel wings, and it's it's wild because the, the person left here, the mother or the sister that's grieving, um has a lot of anger because they tried for 16, 17 years, some of these stories to help their child, their sibling, their cousin, and ultimately they lost the fight with addiction. And so now they're left to feel these grieving feelings of for X amount of years, you controlled my whole world. I tried to fix everything for you. And now there's not even like the product of someone in recovery. right? Right. And you know, God willing, Brad continues to stay sober every single day. Right. And, but it doesn't discount the absolute hellacious 10 years that I went through and that I stored and suppressed a lot of things and forever be part of you forever. And my daughter too. So my daughter was, you know, lived through a lot of these years Mm -hmm. of his addiction of waiting at the window for the ambulance to arrive, honey, can you go stand outside? Make sure the ambulance doesn't come in here for the times he overdosed. I just was in survival again, right? I didn't even know how to, like, guard and protect her from it all. Um, you just so, had to guard and protect yourself. Exactly. So it's just crazy to watch the emotional baggage that can really store in everyone that deals with it. Yeah. And it comes out in different ways. Um,
0: <clears throat> here's, here's one of the cool parts I see about your program and that I'm excited about, even that you're... Like you're in it and it'll build. We've talked about this. It'll mm-hmm. build. It'll, yes. It'll, whether it's three or five or six people who sign up the first totally. round, yes. it, this will be something that will be around because people will people will get it. But here's the, here's the part that I get excited about, about even the work I do with people and now seeing and knowing what you're doing with people is when you can gain permission within yourself to begin to heal and move forward... You, you start to give permission to other people. Like oh, other yes. people are waiting yes. to see. Yes. That whole Conrad and soccer thing and all that stuff, right? Once you find that that's a possibility, yes. mm-hmm. maybe it's in somebody else, then then you are more likely to jump on top of that. Totally. You're more likely to, to follow suit. Like I had a, um, a new client recently yeah. who, <clears throat> gosh, this is so good, who had had enough... With a certain family dynamic Mm -hmm. and said no more like no more this and I'm not all into the whole cut them off sever the relationship but if it has to be done then it has to be done right um I just think that gets overused a lot but not for this person they said nope this has to happen Uh uh-huh and then they're gosh I'm trying to be careful in detail
1: yeah by them doing that,
0: they gave immediate permission for someone who had been in that same dynamic for 30 years. Permission to sever it the very next oh. day. Very next day. So you don't just have power to heal within yourself. You have the power to influence and give permission to the other people around you that you can do this. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing. That's why yes. Yes. this is inspirational to be like, okay, now you're taking that on. So don't give up on yeah. what you're building and your journey because you're going to help so many other people directly or indirectly or... I love that you mentioned the
1: permission effect. thing because I'm huge on that, right? And sometimes that's what I find as being this this guide for people when they're in their process of breath is permissioning them. You are free to release this. You do not have to hold on to this. Mm-hmm. The, we, the permission feels so safe and so good. Um, so I truly do feel like The people who come into this group program and they leave, I have 100% faith that they will go into their day-to-day life, whether dealing with their addicted loved one that is currently addicted, in recovery, dealing with grief due to loss. I do think that... The way that their day-to-day life, they're going to feel more peace. And at the very end of the course, like I go through routines and rituals because the first thing I'll tell you that we all give up when we have an addicted loved one Mm -hmm. is our time yeah, and our routines, our rituals, things like that are, they go out the door, right? Because we're constantly trying to put out fires. And so the things we need the most of. Yeah. And so I'm just super passionate about this. I'm super excited about it to bring breath work into this and to... You know, I'm huge on journaling, thanks to you. And do you know a good one that people could use? Uh I use the Focus. I don't know. I feel like I maybe saw one or two in your office, so maybe uh, you're familiar with it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that I know guy, the author. That guy kind of knows what he's doing. Yeah, someone just bought a journal. Okay, that was awesome. <laughs> that's crazy. Someone
0: seriously did, y'all. That's crazy. Yep. On my phone, we just I just it got an alert that someone lit bought a journal. Okay, that's me. That's the power of energy <clears> right there. So I might just send that to them for. Honestly, I might refund. That's this. incredible. I think I'm going to do that. Booyah. Okay.
1: So this, I'm super passionate about it and I'm super, that's So cool. I, I'm super confident in it. Like I'm so confident too. that somebody's going to come into this and they're going to leave <clears throat> after eight, nine, on the ninth week, we're going to have a closing ceremony. We're going to celebrate the crap out of ourselves for where we've grown. Yep. And I just feel like they're going to leave a changed person and, a- and the belief in themselves that they can have this inner peace. So yeah. that's hope.
0: What else needs to be said about it? Because I I believe in you. I mean, fully. Yeah, you believed in me before I believed in myself. I Well, I'm trying to find a a picture on my phone. But I I do. I'm like, I'm so... Yeah. Behind whatever you're trying to accomplish. Because I... That's one of the things I don't... And I don't mind. I'm all about celebrating ourselves, right? And it's not even mine. This is like a God thing. Like, he, he put it on me. But like... Just the ability to see, like that potential or possibility in somebody,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then like just keep speaking, it into them, speak it into them. They will get there. Like I and I have felt that about you for a long but time. But you've
1: done that for me, and that's what I want to do for people that come into this course. I right. just want to keep speaking my experience, my strength, and my hope hmm. because they can have it. People think they can't have it, but they can. And they can, and I I fully believe that. Yeah. So there's not no there's I mean just. This course, like I said, it was birthed from my heart. Like it wasn't just like oh, I kind of need to make money, and so I'm going to throw this thing mm. out there and see if it sticks. Um, it's just been it's been so healing for me, which has been so cool. That's awesome. That while I create this, it's just it's been a healing. Yeah. Well,
0: so let's let's go into that just for like two seconds. We'll wrap this up, but <clears throat> people are going to call you. They're going to get on a discovery call, and we'll put all that stuff in the show notes and figure all that out. Mm-hmm. And they just go follow you on Instagram at the breath within you. The breath within you. I'll mess that up as bad as breathing with you or something. (laughs) Um, So they'll go figure that out and we'll set them up with a way to do that. And then they can hear even more or they can share a little bit of their story. They can just connect Mm -hmm. with you because that's really where I think people will start to feel it. Um, But then there's going to come a price. And I'm talking to, this is just me. Like, this mm-hmm. isn't Michelle's words or anything. This is me speaking to anybody listening. There, You're going to have some resistance. Anytime you're about to sign up and say yes to something, it's mm-hmm. going to come with a cost. I'm telling you the cost of not doing this program is greater than whatever you're going to end up paying for yeah. it. And I, like, I know this person. I trust this person. I love this person you're going to be in good hands in this group with Michelle, so... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do pull the trigger. Can we say those kind of words on this whatever? Mm -hmm. I used one the other day. I'm like, you're going to get close to the edge in life. I'm like, everything's suicide these days. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say all these words. I don't care. Whatever. Pull the trigger on this program. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever your conversation with Michelle ends up and here comes the selling point because that's what all this stuff is about is getting people in the room together. It is worth... Push yourself to make it work because what it's going to
1: pay back in return will be... I think so often this day and age, we think, you know, what can't I find from Google or what I, what, right. you know, and right. what I'm trying to create is just this community of people who will see you, will honor your experience wherever you are yeah and to be able to just give you that true hope yeah. that you can truly live a life that you desire. True. Too often we think we can't. We don't deserve what this person has or we don't deserve or there's not enough to go around and there's plenty.
0: Thank you for being on this episode with us, you guys. Michelle is amazing. That last thing she said, she is spot on. There is plenty to go around for everyone. Now, on our original recording, um, I finished the discussion by talking about the HOPE model that I fell in love with years ago, and continue to share with people. And I think it's fitting because the name of her program is HOPE. And if you've been around here long enough, you've heard me talk about the acronym HOPE in the way that I think gives us some empowerment and some action-taking insight and ability in life. So I'll share it here, and then we'll get out of here for this episode. I hope you guys benefited from Michelle. Um, go check out her page what she's doing what she's building with breath work with this hope program and just all the goodness that she is bringing into the world into this uh, into this recovery and addiction world because she's lived it she has suffered she's hurt and she is now healing and growing and she is spreading that to so many others Um by really pushing through a lot of fear and resistance of her own and um and now building this program to help others restore that hope and take back that power in life. So make sure you check that out and share this episode with um, with people who who are living this as well directly or they are they're they are the ones who have the addict in their life and they're trying to love them but have this, these boundaries and have these, uh, these healthy relationships within themselves so that it could spread into supporting and helping, um, others around them and their addicts. So I look at hope as, um, each letter standing for something that, that just really, as it all comes together, gives us that power to do something about our circumstances. So the H stands for honesty. You have to get honest about your current circumstances in life. Take a real honest inventory about where you're at. And as this applies to Michelle's program, um, about the role you're playing in your addict's life. You've got to get honest. We've got to get honest about the way we're showing up for ourselves, for others. Um, And she goes over these things in her program about the different roles that we all play. Um, O is... After your honesty, you can then look for options and opportunities to create the change in your life um, and and inside the relationships you have with um, your addict. P is preparation and planning. Once you've got that honesty, you now are starting to look at options and opportunities to change, which you once did not know you had. And Michelle is going to help you find that there's always options and opportunities to change. You will be able to find those. Then we have to plan and prepare. What are we going to do? What options are we going to act on? What are we not? What, what's our next step forward in this process, in this healing? And then E is execute. And this is taking action in your life, you guys. You've got honest you now see some options for changing. You've now put in the work on paper with, with a coach, with a counselor, with yourself about the plan that you're going to take and then you execute, that's the E, you execute. And the thing you have to keep in mind as you do this is that there's always adjustments that can be made. You're always, you're always stepping back with this execution and you're saying, what, what do I need to make? What do I need to change? Which really just starts the whole model over, Right. If it's not working, let's get honest about that. Let's look at new options. Let's have a better plan, and let's execute again and again and again. Don't give up. Let's just keep going. And that's that's recovery. That's he- healing. If you are, if you're the one on the outside um, of the direct use of substances, you are the the one who's loving this addict and wanting to figure it out. It's you and your life in general, not even related to all of this that Michelle and I talked about today and what she's doing it's all of it. So hope um, is a powerful thing when we can look at it in that aspect and we can take some action on the circumstances in our lives, but it takes honesty, you guys. Um, Okay, let's get out of here. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Uh, Michelle, the same love for you. Thank you for joining me on the podcast and sharing your light, sharing your your passion and doing something that is definitely going to be... A very impactful for the people who discover it. So, uh, Michelle's not here with me anymore. I am recording this later after the episode. So let me just tell you this, you're going to do a discovery call with her. Go, go jump on that discovery call. The link is in the show notes. And whatever resistance you begin to feel about this program, whether it's a financial thing, whether it's you getting vulnerable and just opening up about your journey or your own healing that needs to take place or your own recovery that needs to take place, whatever resistance, that's part of the process. Push through the resistance. Push through the resistance. She talked to me about some people who have already done discovery calls. And um, when it came time to, to for the price of the program, Um, They shied away and that happens. That does happen. Not everyone who does a discovery call or who has interest is going to sign up. That's fine. But I'm telling you, if you have that feeling in your heart, this is the thing I need to do. This is the thing. Then, then push yourself to find a way to make it happen. Find a way to come up with, um, for the entry fee, whatever she's charging, find a way because what's on the other side of this eight week program with, uh, Michelle and the other people that are going to be inside this, um, is, is a step closer to, to this healing, to this freedom, to this, uh, to this restored joy and, and hope. So, um, okay, you guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I'll see you on the next episode. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the greatest day podcast. Hopefully today's episode was informational and gave you something that will help you as you continue to improve your life, stay present, and make each day better than the last. As always, please share with anyone you feel may benefit from this podcast and share it on social media. You will find me on Instagram at GreatestDayMindset. Come on over, give me a follow, and stay engaged with me there. Lastly, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, And I'd really appreciate a review from you guys. Ultimately, this is what keeps the podcast alive and helps it to be advertised to other people. Thanks again so much for your support. We'll see you on the next episode. And as always, make today the greatest day of your life.